and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Tamar Heller, I am so excited to have you on the She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Jules. It's an honor. No, this is going to be really exciting. So before we even start, tell everyone where you live because you're not an Aussie. (laughs) Correct. I'm not an Aussie. I am a Californian, but I happen to live in Shanghai, China. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I thought you lived in Singapore. So there you go. I've learned something new already. Quite a conundrum, isn't it? (laughs) It is. I'm dying to hear what you do there because it's so interesting. So let's start with, can you tell everybody a little bit about what you do and why you're doing it? Just tell us a little bit about your business. Sure. Well, I love the name of your podcast because I am the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's wonderful. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I am the co-founder and COO of a digital marketing agency. That's the number one for, for LinkedIn services. And I do it because, you know, it's not just about making money. As we all know, there's always a deeper mission in order for business to be sustainable. So our deepest mission in running this agency, especially in the Asian APAC, but more growing more globally now, is to save businesses. And especially during this critical year, if people don't adapt to the new digital reality, they're not going to be able to conduct business as they once did before. So that's our, our greatest mission. Fantastic. Now I am itchy. I'm just going to ask you anyway. Tell me, do you think, and then I'll get into some more questions, but I'm just fascinated about LinkedIn because it has become absolutely my new favorite platform over the last 18 months. But I think it's changed hugely over the last few years. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You're totally (laughs) right. So actually, 2017, 2018, we kind of saw the birth of a lot of video. Yeah. And before that, articles were actually pretty popular, getting a lot of views. The algorithm was pushing it. What many people don't know is that the algorithm change may, changes maybe about every three months. So if oh, you wow. really want to become an expert, you, you literally have to study it. You have to be a practitioner and not just get excited about new features, but actually understand what they mean. Um, for example, actually, Australia was the first to receive the LinkedIn stories, which is super ah. cool. But what does that mean? It well, <laughs> that means that LinkedIn was getting ready to bring back video. And now it's interesting, especially just in the past week, they got a facelift for the yes. design, the user design. Yes, and now I can't tell it between Facebook. <laughs> correct. Plus, if you yeah. scroll through your feed... If you are smart enough to analyze, which I'm sure your audience is, you'll notice that you have kind of like a regular post, but then like a video or a promoted post or some kind of ad. And this is happening more and more often because LinkedIn is starting to push more of video content once more the way it did two years ago. However, because of this year and everyone's at home exploding on TikTok and Instagram stories, et cetera, et cetera. LinkedIn is going to push only the content that is super engaging, super done well. So you can't just do like a selfie video in the bathroom anymore, jogging, you know, and telling people to be healthy as an entrepreneur. 
Now the competition is fierce. LinkedIn knows that they're really smart. So yet again, we see a change. And this is after three rounds of three months of the algorithm changing this year. So we'll see what happens October through December. Oh, fascinating. God, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> All right. So talk to me about, was there a light bulb moment? There was, there, was there something that made you just want to go straight into this sort of LinkedIn area and specifically, and specifically talk to me about why you're in China as well? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it's not always a light bulb moment, but it's a catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. So my catalyst was um, I was in California almost five years ago now and just kind of miserable where I was at. I didn't feel like I fit in culturally anymore. I also had lived in Spain before. I'm part Spanish, so I really thought I was going to stay there. But I ended up going back to California and I just... I couldn't deal with it. I, right. couldn't. I love my California, but culturally I've changed. Right. So, um, actually I was, uh, I went back to education cause I've always been, uh, vacillating between education or entrepreneurship my, okay. my entire career. So I had stopped my, uh, copywriting business, my writing business. And I went back into education just for kind of a brain break and the school I was at shut down that year. So it was my kind of, okay, if I'm going to make a big change, I'm going to take this as a sign from the universe or the powers that be, whatever, that this is, this is the moment, this is the year. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and I met, uh, I was on LinkedIn, but I wasn't super active. Yeah. And I came across <laughs> my now business partner um, on LinkedIn. He was at the time the number one uh, influencer for LinkedIn in France. He's wow. French. Yeah. Yeah. And then so he uh, had an opportunity for uh, this startup in in China. And we found that, you know, we had a uh, complementary skill sets and I was looking for new opportunities to go back into entrepreneurship. So basically that kind of idea that drive even uh, there was some writing opportunities I had here as well. I'm a I'm a published author. Um, right. I was working for like a. Um, well, we call them key opinion leaders or KOLs mm -hmm. in China. And I was working with a TV studio editing their subtitles for um, a travel KOL. Right. Uh, Chinese, but she specialized in highlighting European culture. So just little different things like that, you know, kind of sustained me as we were building this this up. Um, and then during that time, we started a community called LinkedIn Local Shanghai. LinkedIn Local started actually in Australia in Coffs Harbor, which okay. I've, I've been to last year. I met the founder. <laughs> and then from there, I think, too, the community just really strengthened our value proposition and strengthened us as a team, as as business partners, even as friends. And now here we are. So China really China is kind of like the new, it's not the American dream anymore. It's the China dream. And if you are really motivated and if you know how to network well, you can really make it big as a foreigner in China. Wow. what a, That is so fascinating. And of course, for the, us in Australia, China is so on our radar. I mean, we yeah. all, so it's great to hear of somebody who's a Westerner who's making it over there. But listen, let's go right the way back first. And then, because I want to hear your whole journey and how in heaven's name you've ended up doing this because you've talked about entrepreneurship as well. So let's say when you left high school, you probably didn't say when I want to, when I grow up, I want to be teaching LinkedIn in China. So how in heaven's name is 
has it happened? <laughs> Can you take me back? Yeah. Actually, in high school, I, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a fashion designer. Right. I do have an art background, super random. Uh, and then when I turned 18, it was my final year of high school. Uh, some recruiter, I think, came in for the military. <laughs> and I wanted to, I then decided I wanted to be uh, a spy in the CIA. <laughs> That is really cool. I can understand yeah. that. <laughs> and actually, at the time, I was interning at a huge retail store in the U.S., very, very famous, called Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. I was in one of the biggest ones on the west side of the U.S., and because of this internship, I got exposed to all the different departments. I randomly, and only because I took initiative, I talked to the head of the loss prevention department her session was my favorite. I didn't care about the makeup. I didn't care about the modeling and fashion shows like I was part of. I was like, who cares? I wanted to be a secret agent. <laughs> so I, I approached her and that kind of exposed me like the very first time in my, my budding career, you know, um, observing people, uh, sales, retail, but also with kind of this twist, I was actually an undercover agent <laughs> to catch people who were committing fraud, like writing fraudulent checks right. or to catch people stealing merchandise and understanding, you know, every store, like there's a bottom line to business. If yeah. you are not like, you can't just turn a profit. You also have to look at kind of time cost or in this case um item cost you know if items are being stolen from the store that's a loss for the store as well yeah yeah so that was such an eye opener so how um, long did you there, do that for how long did you do that for uh, a little less than a year um, okay so good grounding though yeah it was great and you know i had a little walkie-talkie and stuff and a secret <laughs> secret All code cool name <laughs> I can't, I'll tell you my name. I'll tell you my name, Jules. My secret agent name for the store was yeah. Jake Walker. <laughs> Why? We had to choose the opposite gender. Okay. Yeah. So Jake was the name of my best friend at the time. And then Paul Walker, the, the deceased, uh, famous, gorgeous actor. Oh, Paul Walker from, <laughs> so from the, the Fast together. and Furious. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so you weren't projecting so or anything. Walker. Was he going to be the, he was going to be the new boyfriend? <laughs> no, no. In your spy, in your spy world. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, maybe. Yeah, who knows? So then from there, I pivoted into education, actually. Um, I think I just really liked academia. Yeah. Um, I felt comfortable with it. I'm a, I'm an avid learner, avid reader. And that seemed to stimulate my mind more because I just couldn't see myself going through boot camp. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm not as physically strong as I thought. Um, and then because of that, once I was getting used to uh, being an educator, which I, I love, I think it's such a big mission. Yeah, I was able to experiment with entrepreneurship. So I did retail. I did, um, hang on. What do you mean health. experiment with it? So did you actually create businesses in retail? Yeah. Yeah, so, I did. Well, tell me yeah, about but them really then. small. Okay. So what so was the first I one? I created like a very boutique retail business where everything was hand designed, uh, oh. knitting. 
Right. Knitting. Yeah. Um, I established my first business license and everything in California. I had a friend who helped me set it up. I learned about accounting, taxes, like everything. Yeah, all that Building stuff you my do first as a small website. business. Yeah. Going to different um, like boutiques to sell, to sell my goods. And then I was talking to um, like wholesale suppliers to eventually rent some store space and like sell yarn and give classes, etc. Oh, you were so really, actually, you're really into it. Yeah. I was really into it. And I was only 20 or 21. So I was really serious. I was starting to get traction. I was starting to turn a profit before a year. However, yeah. I contracted a very rare virus. And because of that Ooh. virus, it caused temporary arthritis. So my hands literally became like an 85-year-old woman like this. At 21 or 22? Fatigue. Yeah. What's it called? What, what's, the, what's the syndrome? It's called fifth disease, like right. the number five. Right. And it's the fifth most common disease in the world, but only 1% me who get wow. exposed to it have right. symptoms that manifest in a huge way. So I suffered from this for seven years and I had to, I had to stop my dream. Oh so I went back goodness. into education. I was still dreaming about things like, you know, I really want to run my own business again. So then again, I experimented. I, I got into natural health, which actually helped to heal me, cure yeah. me, heal my body. So I was doing health stuff. I've tried, um, I, I had my own publishing firm, a small publishing firm for a while. I was working with some celebrities before um, with their books. And then I went into my own business. So that was really cool. Yes. And that was always kind of the thing that then sustained me as an entrepreneur. Anything was storytelling, copywriting, editing, publishing. So right. now in China, that has definitely helped me. I mean, I've been a guest lecturer at many different uh, famous universities here in Shanghai doing like business storytelling courses. I'm about to do like another course as a part-time professor coming up at uh, the extension campus of M. Lyon, a French so, business school. So how do you, do you speak Chinese? Did you speak Chinese very before you little, got there? Very little. Oh, so you can do little. this as an English speaker and, and oh, you're yes. doing your lectures in English. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. I will have, this semester I will have Chinese students, undergraduates, um, and the courses will all be taught in English. Whoa. So Shanghai is very particular to that as well. Like you can kind of get around without a lot of Chinese. I don't recommend it, but it is a difficult language. So for me, um, I know enough to get by, but definitely not enough to give a lecture. Right. Um, oh, that's yeah, really fascinating. And, yeah. Yeah. And because of that, like, because of also my, my publishing background, etc. That gave me a lot of opportunities with Chinese companies looking to globalize and really want to have English content or editing services. It's been super, super fascinating. Again, just the opportunities that this this country has afforded me. Yes, has so it? That's has pretty it? much my journey. No way, no way. So you had. So no, I'm going to take you right back again now. So you did all your little entrepreneur things, mm -hmm. and then what did? You, and then you did you get into academia? Like you became a lecturer? Is that at uni? Is that sort of how it worked? It's it was more part time um, to supplement while we were in the startup phase. Um, okay. My business partner as well. He's a professor of digital marketing. Uh, is next he Chinese? Year actually, 
No, he's French. He's French. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. uh, Wow. So this is just really fascinating to me. So because the other thing is, I mean, I've travelled a lot around the world and without wanting to – I don't even. I'm, I'm terrible at being really delicate about it, so I'll just say it. But like, you don't see a lot of Americans out there except as tourists. No, you, you, no, you really. And, and one of my close friends was from New York, and I remember saying to her, "We lived in London," and I remember saying, "Oh my God, when you go back to America, everyone's going to go, wow, you've got all this experience.'" And she said, "They won't. They'll be saying, why have you taken two years out of your career?'" And I was exactly. going, "What?" Exactly. So, yeah. so I'm really interested about the decision to go to China and how it turned into actually like, I mean, did you just pack up and hope that it was going to work over there? Yeah. Was the, yeah, you did. did. Oh, I sold my. almost all my stuff except for my books. My books are like gold to me. Yeah. And my parents kept all, all my books for me and in, in storage until I eventually gave a few away or I made a few trips back and brought them with me back to China. But I came here with two and a half suitcases and a backpack. How long ago? How long ago? Uh, Almost five years ago. Wow. And you've just built a whole career because when I look at you on LinkedIn, it looks like you're doing amazing things and working. So tell me a little bit more then about the actual business and what your business does at the moment. I mean, how do you get into corporate? Are you helping corporates? Is it private courses people can do? How does that all work? Yeah, actually, it's more like a high level service. So The only kind of course we're offering right now, which we did offer courses before we've done workshops, online courses, etc. But what we found, especially when you want to scale an agency, you you can't stay you can't stay small. Mm -hmm. If you really have big dreams, you can't. Some people just want to maintain like a certain amount. And that's great. You know, that works for them. But for my business partner and I, we're very big dreamers. So we thought, okay. In order to really be sustainable, scale the way we want, have the impact that we want on the world, we have to work with people who have money. (laughs) So, of course, you're (laughs) going to work with big corporations, right? Or even small to medium enterprises that have a healthy budget for marketing and a need to delegate. So what they delegate to us. So let me just ask, is the the fact that you're doing it all in English, does that put them at a certain level anyway? Because presumably you have to be sort of educated and, I mean, I know a lot about India and I know, you know, if you want to talk English, you're not talking to the the lower classes. You're definitely talking to the, so same in China. Correct. But we actually focus more on uh, multinational companies. Okay. More so than big Chinese if we have opportunities or a potential to collaborate with Chinese companies looking to globalize, then definitely they have the interest in an English run campaign, but it really, it really just depends. Um, but yeah, for now we're focusing on multinationals within China, but also companies outside of China. So in the European market and the North American market, maybe even soon too in the Australian market, we'll see. And what we do is we do lead generation services. So that's more of what I say is on the back end. It's where we're directly prospecting for our clients in order to communicate their value proposition, get people into a consulting call with them or download their lead mag- magnet, etc. And so that's you like manage that yourself. Messaging. So we you actually work out the that. messaging, messaging, Correct. set it all up and it everything. goes out. Okay. Everything, the prospecting, everything, because you'd be surprised even some multinational companies 
huge companies don't have their avatar client clearly defined. <laughs> it's just insane to me, but it is what it is. And fair enough. That's why they need us. That's and exactly then on why the they need other you. Side, yeah. The other side is more of the inbound marketing. So that's the front facing stuff. Yeah. So that's all the content. That's the post. Now we're offering video services, which is super, super fun. Cause like I said, that's going to be huge on LinkedIn yep. very soon. Um, it could be, a particular campaign with a call to action to get the audience to take action, you know, for the business, it could lead them to a website, a portfolio, a consulting call, um, a webinar. Yeah. So we do those two main strategies along with some other things, advertising, um, other campaigns that are requested of us and really make this holistic LinkedIn campaign for the minimum minimum six months but the best results of course takes about 12 months or longer because yeah. of the changing algorithm yeah yeah no that sort of makes sense okay so um talk to me about what it's like setting up your own business in a foreign country with a partner who's also a foreigner now, I always, because this is for women, this is, um, you know, supporting all these women out there that'd be thinking about businesses. Um, I always say that, you know, and, and I'm sure you do as well, that people, learn, I used to say, tell me about the successes and failures you've had and how you've learned from them. And I realized that actually we don't really learn from successes. We just celebrate them. So have you had some challenges along the way that have really kind of made you pivot in a different direction? Pivot being, you know, the word of the year, I think, at the moment. <laughs> with the pandemic. Can you talk to me about some of those things that happen and what you learned? It definitely helps to have a business partner who's very complementary to your your mood, your sentiments, your values, your skill sets. So that's definitely like a huge thing. And I think it accelerates the learning for yeah. me, at least it has. I've learned a lot more with a business partner than when I was running enterprises yes. by myself. Plus, so I think that, you take more risks. I think when you've got somebody else yes. to kind of go, should we both yes. do it? And they say, yes, you go it's for it. Um, as opposed to sort die. of when you're questioning yourself, should I, shouldn't I, you know, yeah, I think if you jump ship, you jump ship together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it does give you some kind of, um, uh, confidence and, and assurance. Absolutely. So in that, what's very helpful for us to learn is we're constantly reflecting. We're constantly, every Sunday we have a brainstorm session. So even on Sundays we're working. Um, but that's because we're so passionate about what we do. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like fun. So we really take a, try to take a step back mm -hmm. because we didn't do that in the beginning and we were starting to burn out and bicker and get in disagreements about stupid things. Yeah. Um, and then as we both matured and learned from each other, learn from our working styles. And then for me, because I'm, I'm older than my business partner, uh, I brought in my wisdom from helping to run companies and organizing them in Silicon Valley where I'm from. So I was like, okay, this is not how <laughs> we need to work. Like we need to have structure. We need to have a routine. Um, he's the process guy. So he was amazing with processes. So we really synthesized all those things together and then that gave us the brain space instead of like constantly running like a hamster on a wheel that gave us the brain space and capacity to reflect. And in our reflection, there's a few big things that we really saw 
to pivot. So the biggest thing, the biggest lesson learned even more so this year has been no compromising. And that includes not just with our team, but with clients. Right. You know, if clients won't respect our process, if they don't trust us when they hire us, then okay, good luck. We're not a fit. No, but that's There's great no advice. That's a, uh, no, I think that's compromise all the time, don't they? They do, and you weak. You know that you're weakening it, and that you're diluting what you could offer someone because they're yeah. trying to strong arm you. And I also exactly. think that clients absolutely respect some. I mean, they might not at first, but they do within hours, if nothing else. Somebody Correct. who tells them that what they're doing is just, you know, that, that I'm not going to do it if you want to do it that way. It won't work. Correct. And we've done the same for our staff. Like everything has a process. If people want to work with us as a client, they have to fill out a type form because it helps us better prepare and assess the need. We know the budget, we know the uh, timeline, we know exactly what they're doing because as you know, Jules, like especially with uh, smaller companies, people want to waste our time. They're Mm -hmm. just kind of window shopping. And unfortunately, because we all compromise and we don't set our foot down, we're like, oh, but maybe it's a le-. no, no, no. So we created a process to even qualify our own potential nice. clients. Because again, if they take the time to fill out the form, which isn't super long, it shows us that they're serious. Yep. Then we qualify them with a consulting call and then we go from there. But that has completely changed the game for us. We do the same with uh, hiring staff. Since day one, our staff has always worked remotely. We really don't believe in wasting money on an office. Um, We like to be able to be nomadic if we ever leave China and go elsewhere. And therefore, there's a certain amount of discipline and process again that that your team has to have. You know, they they can't just... (laughs) I mean, seriously, we once had a staff member who just got really lazy. They started off really great. Yeah. They got super lazy. And when we had our check-in call on zoom, they were wearing a bathrobe in our like morning. <laughs> and, and I was, I was looking you at go, the There's their mindset. Like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> a bathrobe? I mean, okay, fine. If you wear pajamas or boxers or whatever yeah. you want to do down below. Great. But up top, come on, let's be professional. So yeah. again, Um, I think we used to give a little too much grace and leeway and, and that was really being stupid because you're paying for someone's salary and it's not a return on investment when you, when you compromise. So again, we filter our team and hiring with type forms. We want to see what drives them. We want to see what kind of books they're reading because that's very important to us. It it fits to each one. Gives you an idea. Yep. Yeah, we want to see if they have writing samples, if it's a copywriter. We want to see video samples, if it's a video content creator. We want to see um, their CV, et cetera, et cetera. So that as well has really saved our time. So when you stop compromising, you actually maximize your return on investment. Plus, you free up your time and time is the only commodity you can never get back. And as a business owner, that's the number one thing you must protect. So I think really the biggest, the biggest aha, the biggest light bulb is no more compromising. That is really, really wise. Now, I still to this day remember the first time that I had a client, (laughs) 
I used to have a big PR agency and we had this client who just messed us around all the time. You know, they'd go, oh, you did such a good job. We're just going to pause it for another two or three weeks while we deal with it and then we'll come back. And then they'd come back for another month and they'd go, oh, my God, you got us so much. We're just going to pause it again. And I ended up, I remember saying to my business partner, I don't even want to take the call. I know they're going to be messing us around again. And she said, the whole reason we're working for ourselves is that we can get rid of the people we don't want to work with. So go and get rid of them. And I will never forget that shaking afterwards going, oh, my God, it just feels so weird. So tell me about your no compromise stance the first time you did it with a client. Oh, gosh. Um, what did well, that? Something must have happened that you just went, that's it. We're not putting up with it anymore. Breaking up is hard to do. But once you do it, you get used to it. And it's the same with firing people like it should really be a philosophy you take for both clients and your staff as a business owner um hire slowly or collaborate slowly and fire fast Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise you drag it on and on and on and on and everyone's miserable um the first time we did it uh we had a client who just like was super late paying all the time and <laughs> that was a good lesson learned <laughs> yeah Seriously. there's a good indication isn't it of um, how important you are to yeah them. they didn't pay the the final payment um and they it was really hard to catch them to actually have a real collaboration i think they were too laissez-faire and thought that we were going to do all the work and we're like look we don't guarantee your sales that's mm-hmm. up to you like you're your industry expert we're not we are lead generation experts. We will give you the leads list, which we did. We'll create your content, your strategy. We'll advise you on how to tweak things on your side, which we did. But on the client side, there was never really real um, excitement for what we were doing, trust in our processes, nor was there execution. Was this quite so early on though? Was this when you only had a few clients or yeah. had you been doing it for a while? No, no. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> more early on. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, this is it. Like we're not. And I actually consulted a friend who specializes in negotiation. She's mm-hmm. a negotiations coach. I was like, how do you break up with a client? <laughs> do it well. <laughs> she said, okay. Um, you could do like a few different things, but one of the things was more just like, you know, uh, we're, we're shifting in who we're working with. We no longer collaborate with companies in your industry. Yeah, good idea. Um, we, we feel that you could have uh, find value somewhere else or working with someone else. We wish you all the best. So that was kind of how that was. And then from there, it became easier. We had another client before who was super, very disrespectful with us very very disrespectful like the way that they spoke to us Mm -hmm. almost like we were their slaves or something um and it started to escalate and then we took a step back we're like wait 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 (laughs) (laughs) who's the boss here (laughs) exactly we're like we don't have to deal with this so i mean okay this might sound really harsh jules but (laughs) when you (laughs) stop compromising yep that means you take out the trash Look, in your home, do you let trash pile up and smell your beautiful, smell up your beautiful home? No, you take out the trash. And it's the same with things that are smelling up in a figurative way, your business. Because if you let things keep piling up, that's a sign, first of all, that 
that you're compromising, but also people can smell that they from can a see mile it. away. Yeah. Like, I was you're beta, say. you're desperate, you're you're so like uh, not certain or sure about who you really want to work with or even what you're giving your value. That, that yes, yeah, I the agree. The perceived value of what you're offering will naturally go down even if you're offering the best service or product in the world. But if you keep letting that trash pile up, then it's going to overrule you and kick you out of your own house. Yeah, So you got to take care of your house and take out the trash. I love that. I think I might use that in future. Okay, now along the way, um, I'm really interested in your experience actually in this because I often say that, um, well, this is a show about women in business. It's for women in business. So one of the things I feel obliged to ask is have there been women that have helped you along the way? And I hear... It really fascinating. Like, I think this is about my 40th interview and the number of women that will say, not when I was in corporate, but yes, as soon as I went into small business land or became an entrepreneur, the women were so supportive. And, and so I'm really interested in you, in your career. Have there been women that, you know, you, you can tell us how they helped you that have done significant things to help you? Yeah, well, ironically, like you said, uh, if I've been in corporate or even consulted or especially in Silicon Valley, Silicon really? Valley is notorious for bro culture. And it's oh still a problem. Right. However, however, I was very lucky to have a father who always said, I'm proud of you and you can do whatever the hell you want. I was like, OK, great. You know, as far as a career, I was always <laughs> yeah, career driven. Yeah. My grandma told me the same thing, too. So I was a very rare very empowered young woman who really uh, didn't understand like gender biases because of how I presented myself. Like I wouldn't pull up, put up with people's BS. I would be like, you know, if, if people uh, approach me in a certain way, uh, especially because I learned really early on, um, people treat you the way that you allow them to allow them to treat you. I would say, would you like to try that again? You know, always with a little <laughs> smile, but would you like to try that again? Oh, and I think too, working with, uh, when I was teaching, working with junior high kids really toughened my skin. <laughs> um, but yeah, in corporate, like I was working with a lot of men and most of my clients even personally have been a lot of men. Yeah. But they I, actually, me. Let's also say, do you, yeah. is that because I th- I always see Facebook as female and LinkedIn as more male? I'm not saying that there's not, uh, it's not changing, but there is definitely right. that thing. So interesting. Sorry, go on. Yeah, <laughs> I were... think there's, well, I think there's still more male decision makers for sure. And look, yeah. it, it is what it is. It is. It is. That's right. I don't interpret it as any way. I just look at things again, objectively, because I don't care. I'm not going to get into like the politics of of gender bias, but because my, because my experience was, I knew how to present myself. I knew how to command respect, not demand it, but command it. All the men, the male clients I worked with were amazing. They did help me a lot. They adored me. Um, and they probably knew I was smarter than them anyways. (laughs) So (laughs) that helps. But yeah, it was more in small business or even in education where I really had incredible female mentors Um, my former mentor she's like one of my dearest friends now and she really guided me more in the emotional control area Uh, for logic pragmatism I'm incredible for streamlining things organizing things 
uh, executing, I'm amazing. But from all the emotional stuff, especially I told you, like I had a rare virus in my 20s. Yeah. And that took an emotional toll. I also had um, some difficulties, some challenges, like throughout my childhood with family dynamics. And I didn't I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the right resources. So I was like emotionally retarded. Um, And so I needed somebody to really guide me through that so that I could really reach my full capacity as a leader. So I think she really took me to the next level, like from just some girl playing at business to really a true leader. And she empowered me so much. She was like a counselor. She was a mentor. She was a friend. She was like a second mother. Uh, But more than that, she was somebody who kept me accountable and she wasn't afraid to tell me like it was because I think even the men that I worked with who helped me, most of them, a few definitely told me straight, but most of them, I think they were, I think they were too soft with me, to be honest. So um, that woman in particular, she's the one who stands out the most, who, who really got me to the next level and started, started shaping me to, to who I am now in business. It makes a huge difference if you have a strong huge. woman, I think, to, uh, <laughs> to guide yeah. you a bit. And also yeah. for you to be able to see that they're being strong, like to role model for you so that you kind of go, okay, they're not pushing me in a direction they're not doing themselves. Yeah. Uh, what a fascinating career. All right. So now we're going to just move on to some sort of lighter stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> so first thing is in terms of, so you've got this massive global vision. I can see that you really want to go hard and go all over the place, which is wonderful. Um, how are you juggling your work and your life? Now you talked about meetings at brainstorming on Sundays, which I do as well, because I love that aspect of it. But are you kind of, um, setting aside hours to say, okay, this is my off time and I've got to have that time so you don't burn out. And you've had an experience anyway where, you know, you know compromising your health with stress. But how do you juggle that sort of work and life stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something, big lessons I learned (laughs) in my 20s. Because I was, I'm the kind of person who, I can come across as a workaholic, but I think it's unfair to label people like that. I think... I think workaholicism comes from two types of people. People are super, super passionate about what they're doing. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like a mission. That's me. And then other people who are overcompensating for something. And those are the people who need to like, well, I mean, well, I think with them, there's a feeling of insecurity can drive overwork as well. That feeling of imposter syndrome, you know, somebody's going to catch me out if I, yeah, like it's never enough. And that awful thing of, um, also thinking that hours, the hours that you put in equals the output. Yeah. Which doesn't always happen. So, um, so you're kind of, it it, it all merges at the moment, doesn't it? Because you're only a young woman and you've got a big goal in front of you. So, yeah. um, Well, so, so what, uh, especially too, like this is why it's so important to be aligned with your business partner. We were getting to points of like, okay, it's great that we're super passionate about what we're doing. I mean, even if we go out to dinner, <laughs> we're we still talk talking about, about business, <laughs> everything. However, we're like, okay, where's the balance? So we decided every Saturday is a rest day, unless it's something like really urgent needs to be taken care of. And that, that happens every yeah, now and fine. then. But Saturday is a rest day. Um, we take a two hour lunch break. 
Monday through Friday. That helps. Oh, so that's you can a good go for idea. A walk, do a 20 minute yoga session, cook at home because we work from home. So cook at home to be healthy, uh, take a nap if you need to. And then we also to manage our time well on the Sunday brainstorming, we start to set up the week and we only come up with five or less big objectives to conquer. And then the night before, so Monday through Thursday night, like when we're ending the day, we spend 15, 20 minutes looking at the agenda for the next day and juxtaposing, okay, we didn't get this done. So let's move it here. Like we have our shared calendar, everything's digitized. So that's nice. And that really maintains like a sense of rhythm. Yeah. I think it's impossible to achieve balance. I think balance is more for scales. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. rhythm is more applicable to our human life because sometimes crazy things happen like a pandemic that you can't control. <laughs> that so you, you can begin to imagine would happen. Yeah, you have to find <laughs> rhythm. You can't, you can't find balance in a pandemic. Um, but, so those are the things that we do. Yeah. So how has the pandemic affected you in China? I mean, would you be working from home anyway? Yes, I would be working from home anyway because we don't want to waste money on a like a yeah. co-working space or uh, office. But what it did was it increased our no compromise stance. Okay. We realized we were wasting so much time going to like prospect meetings and business meetings and this event and that event. Oh my goodness. We were like, we are wasting so much time. Don't get me wrong. They were great learning lessons. Yeah, of course. Great, great learning lessons. However, it's a, it's like Shanghai is a huge city. And even just like to travel can really take some time depending on where someone's office is. So because of that, it forced everyone, of course, to be online and people got used to the new standard of Zoom. And yep. from there, like we created our collaboration form for people who want to work with us. And then if they qualify, then we invite them to a 30 minute Zoom call yep. to even see if we're a good fit. If they're in Shanghai, then... When we sign the contract, we meet them at their office. Mid-campaign, mid-contract, we meet them at their office if they want. Yep. End of campaign. And that's it. So that's it. All the rest of the time, it's they can schedule a Zoom call with us up to two hours a month to ask questions about their campaign. And then, like, I mean, one of our most recent clients was a multinational, multi-billion dollar company uh, their headquarters that we were working with was in Korea, but they're an American company. We signed everything digitally. We had all our meetings digitally. Yeah, perfect. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not necessary nowadays to even sign a multi-billion dollar company like, well, no, in person. And, and especially when you're a digital company. But I guess I was mm-hmm. also interested, so what's happened in Australia? And I mean, I was lucky. I was working from home and all my businesses are online. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden people reading more, social media going crazy, people that have never been on LinkedIn suddenly yeah. going, I've got all this time, right. I might as well. Right. So has that been happening in China too? Have you found that business has gone up as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, China, globally, China's economy was the first one to start really recovering. Yeah. Um, we can't always know what the real numbers are. No. However, <laughs> however, I mean, come on, even just recently, I don't know if you heard the news, but China just launched 
um, a robot in a rocket to an asteroid to start test mining <laughs> to literally get into the business of mining asteroids. Amazing. So they're busy. Like, you know, they've, they've got their, their sights set really high. Yeah. Um, and plus, uh, all the live streaming stuff super increased. There's a really great story from Alibaba. Alibaba was um, trying to get more of the rural farmers to live stream. Mm-hmm. That way, the people in the big cities could make a connection with who they're buying from. Oh, nice. And one of the like little overnight celebrities is called Grandma Apricot super cute little lady like in her 80s and her grandson set up the little camera on the phone for her and she's just like talking in Chinese showing her apricots like yeah we've (laughs) been growing these for decades and they're delicious they sold out like within six hours wow so those kind of things have been happening as well and people are buying more locally and and so the government is is as well establishing like more of the local economy um which helped us for a business that people were looking again like more to digital so we've had one of our busiest years yet and we're at the point where we're going to scale yet again and then last month (laughs) yeah last month we went with the the ceo of linkedin china um he he wanted to commend us for our work uh, not just as an agency, but but for our community, LinkedIn Local. Yeah. And he was sharing with us some of their insights that, uh, especially for job search, so many more people in China, of course, took to LinkedIn. LinkedIn uh, yeah. China started this cool like mentorship career program to get young people like more help about interview preparation, building your CV, um, targeting people online for a job. And then they also, of course, affirmed, like you said, uh, it's never been as high as this year for like content creation um, and people just having a a more of an online presence. So even on LinkedIn China side, because it's a little bit different than global LinkedIn, um, they saw like a huge increase. So that was really encouraging for them as a company. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, okay, one, okay, we're down to the last couple of minutes now, so it gets seriously silly. The first <laughs> okay. one, I just ask everyone because I love the answers, and a journalist told me to ask this, and I love her for telling me. <laughs> What's a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be prepared to share with us? <clears throat> um, in my spare time, yeah. I study the brain. <laughs> you mean Sundays or Saturday afternoons? Saturdays, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or at night before bed. I study the brain as a hobby, and um, that includes like neuroscience, um, neurolinguistic programming, um, as well as epigenetics, so how our genes express themselves and how it's even related to the brain. Right. Um, correlated to. <laughs> That's pretty heavy, heavy going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm also reading a book about quantum physics and uh, the multiverse theory and parallel lives. <laughs> so that is Blimey. super geeky. <laughs> that is super geeky. Okay, oh, I love mind. that. <laughs> okay, now last but not least, and you're not allowed to say LinkedIn, um, what are the two most useful apps on your phone? And, and we're going to leave email and LinkedIn out of it because I'm guessing sure. that is easily the best. I'd say it's one of my top two probably, <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, okay. So yes, do you use any clever apps that you use for business? Well, for business in China, you have to be on WeChat. That's okay. our texting app. It's like everything in one. 
It's like a local kind of Facebook. You can pay for things with it. Um, people post oh, wow. like pictures on it, just like Facebook. Um, there's like group chats that serve for business purposes or personal interests. Like uh, you can join a, a gym boxing club like group <laughs> and, and go get a free trial of boxing class um so WeChat is like everything here it's everything okay everything, yeah everything. Uh, well I've heard it I didn't realize it quite that much so oh, WeChat yeah, people, like, market live stream etc and then my other useful app it, it has to be super nerdy uh, my Kindle app yeah I just I don't know I you. just <laughs> recently deleted or got rid of almost all my other social media apps because Again, with the no compromise mantra, that means I'm focusing more. And and one of my favorite apps, seriously, is the Kindle because it's my door to, to the rest of the world. It's my door to intellectual freedom. I thoroughly agree. And I have to <laughs> – and I, I bought the first Kindle when it first came out and I hated Amazing. it. <laughs> no, but I hated it because it was, it was so clunky and, and yeah. iPads came out the same year, I think. So I bought yeah. it early brought it back and went and got an iPad and was like, oh, well, I guess I've done without. And then iPads suddenly, you know, like I discovered all the apps on iPads and there's the Kindle app. And I was like, yes. oh, my God. So I've got hundreds of books in there as yeah. well. I can't help yeah. myself. Yeah, same. Um, but I don't think they're about quantum physics and science. I'd have to say I read a lot more <laughs> well, junky maybe stuff. Maybe you can add one of those to your collection, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. Um, okay, and and then for personal time, do you? you I'm guessing because you're focusing now. Do you have any games apps that you like, or they've all been taken off? I deleted them all. <laughs> you're a good woman. <laughs> it changed it, because it changed my productivity. Yeah, that's no. all. Yeah, you, you are very, very inspirational. I have Thank absolutely <laughs> loved this chat. Now, if so anybody much. wants to get hold of you, Tamar, what's the best way to get hold of you? LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the spelling is T A M A R and then H E L A. You got it. And and if you if you are going to connect with her, tell her I sent you. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see whether that thank works. You. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so so much. Um, and I will look forward to seeing you not only launch in Australia but around the world. I'm really looking for. What's the actual? Actually, I didn't ask you. What's the name of your agency? What's the name of the business? Genius and Sell. Genius because we believe that uh, we are a team of geniuses and we want to work with geniuses. Encel comes from Enceladus, which is a moon off of, I think it's uh, Jupiter. And okay. it's one of the moons in our solar system that could potentially sustain life. So just like space is icy cold or that moon is icy cold, digital marketing can be icy cold, but inside there's a fire and hope and passion and we want to unleash that for businesses. Wow, that is a great explanation of a name. Well, listen, it's <laughs> been fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.